This episode is brought to you by Caps, the home of headwear. Although, if you think they're just doing headwear, you've got it wrong. If you've been tuning into the show, you would have seen my Larry Bird vintage Mitchell and Ness t-shirt. You would have seen my Charlotte Hornets hoodie. They've got it all. So if you want to go find your perfect hat or your perfect hoodie in this winter, head online now, www.caps.com.au and check it out. This podcast is also brought to you by Rick's Eyewear, eyewear that inspires confidence. Speaking of confidence, I can tell you right now you'll be really confident in getting an absolute Barry bargain. Rick's are currently running an end of season sale up to 60% off. Let me say that again, up to 60% off clearance sale. Sunglasses going from $40. Head online now at rickseyewear.com.au and check it out. Righto, let's get into the show. Wow, this one is exciting. I've uh, I've taken a leaf out of the Homicides book and he said, no talking until we're on set. So I've got my great mate, Johnny Patton, the uh, the king of the real estate up here in the Gold Coast. <laughs> How are you, brother? Yeah, I'm really good, man. How are you? Good. First of all, thanks for the coffee. Um, Blackboard. It, it tastes really well. And you know the guys that run this. Who, who, what are we drinking here? Blackboard Varsity, Melbourne people. Um, very good people, Dan and Nicole from Blackboard. So uh, actually, Andrew Bogut goes there all, all the time. I see the big seven-footer walking around. So best coffee on the coast. I was going to say, two big, uh, two big units. Being that tall, like, he must um, – because a few of my mates heard that we did a potty the other week and uh, – he was like, we haven't seen him. I'm like, well, like when you do, you'd be that, you'd be that recognizable. Like, does he get harassed down at that cafe, or is nah, everyone kind of? No, nah, I don't think he does, man. Because I think everyone, everyone will know who he is because he's yeah. so tall and stands out. But, um, you know, I think people are pretty good for good to him in terms of privacy. He's got a, he's got a beautiful house in um, um, not far from the cafe actually. So it's own little sort of like gated estate. Yeah, that's, that's mint. And then you loving the Goldie? Like, how long you been yeah. up here now for? Um, I've been up here. I moved literally. I, I drove out of Melbourne the day I retired. Um, so I moved, I moved probably 14 months ago now. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, it's gone. It's actually gone pretty quick. So but. quick. Yeah. So quick. And I, I got up here and, um, I pretty much only had sort of, I've about, had about five, five months and then I got into, um, the new career, but, um, geez, it's gone so quick already. Oh mate. And it's good to see you. You're, uh, you're up and about. Um, and it's, yeah, we're, we're actually, we're going to, we're going to get into all that. Let's go right back. Um, let the people wait, let the people wait for, you know, what you're doing now in the real estate game, but let's go back. Like we've known each other for a long time now. Um, I guess we would have met when we were 15. Probably 15, when yeah. We were, uh, <laughs> or when I used to get a kick. <laughs> we used to win all the awards. It's actually yeah. when uh, life was pretty good. F- footy was quite fun, wasn't it, back then? Man, it was so fun. And I think uh, the first time we met was probably the um, the trials to get into Vic Metro in the 16s. Um, back when I was just a, a lanky kid. Um, and you were, you were you still are lanky, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm building. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, they were good times, man. It's, um, yeah, it's been a long time. We've been... F- really good friends for how we are. We're almost 30. So, you know, almost sort of 13 years. Yeah. And you, uh, I mean, it's Cros and, and Bussy were the th- yeah. big three from yeah. the Eastern suburbs. Yeah. yeah. Talk to me about your upbringing. Like what were you, um, you know, cause you don't just become a superstar full forward at 15. Like, did you play a fair bit of basketball and other sports that helped you become, you know, the number one pick that we'll talk about in a second, but what helped you be such a good player? Um, I was obsessed with football, like most kids, um, you know, down in Melbourne especially. But I just remember, you know, every sort of from what I was kick, that's all I cared about. Um, played a lot of basketball too and I was quite good at basketball. But, um, you know, it's pretty hard to make a really good living out of basketball. And 
I was probably got to the age of, you know, 14 where I started to become pretty, pretty good at football. Um, I was playing up age levels from sort of, you know, 10s, 11s, 12s, and I was winning all those best and fairest. So I think that all the, all the parents were like, no, nah, he's got to go back to his, um, to his own age. And, um, yeah. And then sort of from there, you know, you obviously make your big Metro sides and, um, obviously mate, I, I made the under 12 Vic side, which we had like a stack team. We had Dill Shield, Dev Smith, uh, Adam Tomlinson, uh, Dom Tyson, big dummy boy, um, myself. We had so many good players in that team and it's funny, you know, like now you're watching him and, um, you know, we played together at the Giants as well, which was pretty cool. But I was always, you know, I was pretty fortunate that I just had a, a like a, just a born given talent of, of playing footy. And I think probably not to sound arrogant or anything, but I think most people that probably played with me just, you know, knew you could just see the talent I had. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was pretty lucky in terms of that sense of just having it. Um, but then obviously I just worked my ass off to, to get where I got to. Mm. And for people that, I mean, were you always that tall? No, I think I was actually playing mid, I was tall, but I was playing midfield until about 16s or 15s. And then uh, when we played Vic Metro together under 16s, um, they were like, you can kind of mark the footy. So why don't you go forward? Um, so I went forward and um, under 16s, I actually didn't play that well. And then I made the AIS team. And um, that's when I sort of really um, went to the next level of being a forward and and then, then, and then I grew to like what six five six six. Yeah, yeah. I remember playing. Um, we were playing the TSC Cup because our mate Mickey Tali, who was heavy on you, and every time we'd play, like we'd be how close the mates were we, and then he's just a bit of a he's oh, a dog to play on. Like he just doesn't dog. talk to Mika. you. Yeah, <laughs> he whacks you. I'm like, mate, I remember yeah. going back with it, like trying to help you out and help him out, and you just taking a big clunk on him. He's like, train. He say when he got goals kicked on. That him. was the worst playing against friends because. Um, you know, I like to think I'm a pretty nice guy and, you know, I'm not exactly the most aggressive person going around. So it was all sort of, hey, mate, how are you before? And then then the bounce, then the ball gets bouncing. You're like, all right, I've got to turn on here. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and I had some good battles against Mika. That's so good. Looking back, like who, like especially your juniors, who was probably the most influential person on your, on your career? Oh, that's tough to say. I mean, you know, mum's obviously sticks out um, in terms of, you know, doing everything for you um, and just being like a rock for, for me. Um, in terms of the most influential, that's a tough question, man. I'm not too sure. Like when I was growing up, I was a massive fan of Nick Rewell and John, Jonathan, Jonathan Brown. Um, so that was sort of role models in a sense growing up. Um, but yeah, probably, probably my mum was the biggest influence. Um, and she, because I was so bad at school, like I didn't care at all. <laughs> and anyone that went to school with me would say, yeah, all he, all he did was just take the piss and then play footy at lunchtime um, and get every mark and what is it, mark, marks up. <laughs> yeah, mark is up, yeah. Um, and uh, so I was just taking the piss at school. And mum, you know, to her credit, she was never sort of, you have to do this, you have to do this. She kind of, she could kind of see my vision. Um of wanting to become a, a footy player and she probably saw what I was doing on the weekend as well in games and thought he's actually pretty good. Um, so yeah, it was definitely my mum, probably the biggest influence. Yeah. She's uh, she's a wonderful lady. Big shout out. Um, and then let's, we're going to talk about a lot of injuries coming up, but as a junior, did you ever have any injuries or much adversity at all? Um, I had, I had like hip 
um, surgery when I was like 16, but that wasn't that bad. Nah, so I wouldn't say I really had any injuries, just sort of like the normal stuff you get when you're a kid. Sore groins here and there. Growing pains. Growing pains, but um, I pretty much, I didn't miss much footy at all. Um, so yeah, it's not like, and you know, I remember when I was probably 17, 18, you know, I saw blokes doing their knees. I'm like, oh God, that's like, yeah, that's a career ender. Yeah. Um, so I was pretty lucky when I was young that I never had anything like that to me. And then, yeah, it all sort of oh. came at once. <laughs> oh, geez, we'll get into it soon. It's, it's heartbreaking what does happen. Um, just for those listening and the, wanting to know, so what? Where'd you grow? Up? Like, what school? Um, where'd you live? Melbourne. Um, I grew up in eastern suburbs, southeast um, in Roval. Um, so it's actually, you know, almost it's not the Calder Cannons Footy Factory as BT <laughs> likes to call it, um, but quite a good, quite a lot of good footies players come from out that way. Um, sort of Berwick way as well, um, Danny the Danny Nongs. So I, I grew up there and um, I went to a few different schools. Um, but like I said, man, I, I, couldn't, I could almost not tell you what schools I went to because I didn't <laughs> – I literally just – I had no interest in school. Um, you know, looking back, sometimes you go, oh, I probably should have listened more or this and that. But, you know, I think when you're young, you sort of – you know what you don't like and you don't like it and there's nothing that's going to change it. It's just I, – I, I, I shouldn't say this too much about school, but it, it's just so – I look back as well. I just couldn't get, get going at school either. I used to love yeah. PE, love learning about the body. It's probably because of the sport thing. And then I was good at math, but I just found it incredibly boring. Um, it's funny how many athletes are in the same. Yeah. I guess when you're so driven with something else, though, it's yeah, you're just not even yeah, interested. But look, we're lucky that when like when we were at school, like you were in the same, you have that goal of AFL. Whereas a lot of kids they they don't like school and they've got no goal. Um, so at least you know we had something, that, and 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 at the same time that stops you from going out on the weekends and getting into things you shouldn't do at that age and. Um, cause you got games on Saturday, you got games on Sunday. Um, so the last thing you're thinking about is, um, getting up to mischief on the weekends, although you sometimes would, but, um, for the most part, it keeps you pretty on track. That's something people don't realize. I, I mean, looking back now, I used to, I was lucky cause I was born in October. Um, you, you're early, aren't you? May. May. Yeah. So yeah, you would have been 18 and 17, but, um, 18 in year, in year 12, but everyone's going out and then there's a lot of parties and, and that's the thing that. You, you miss all that. You miss yeah. all that. You get yeah. to um, you got to go to school and and then you got your footy commitments on the weekend and it's probably the best thing, but the hardest thing because all your mates come in on a Monday and all they talk about all week is yeah. how good this was, how yeah. good that was, and you're out there driving to probably Bendigo or Craigieburn playing <laughs> yeah. the Cannons, you know, it's five degrees, yeah, yeah and you're trying to yeah. build this career that's yeah. you might not have a chance at, but you yeah. do. I mean, how hard did you find those days when you had to just sacrifice so much? Um, I actually didn't find it hard. Um, and I think this is why it's kept me in good stead for what I'm doing now is um, when I'm focused and when I'm driven on something, nothing else really matters. Um, and, you know, you can go in and out of those sort of times um, of motivation. But when I was that age, all it was was, you know, make – and, and especially that year, it was being the number one pick. That was my goal two years out of the draft was being the number one pick. So to me, I was like, well, you know, they can have fun. And sometimes you're like, oh, shit, I would love to go to that party or do this. But, you know, it was it was a good feeling after a game when you walk in and you kick six and <laughs> yeah. best on again. And, you know, so, um, yeah, it was definitely – the sacrifices are worth it for sure. What's the biggest game you ever had as a junior? Oh, I think it was – you know what, I shouldn't say this, but it was when I was a border major. Me and uh, Michael Bussey, shout out Bussey, um, 
we were playing Eastern Rangers. We actually, this is just goes against what I just spoke about. But <laughs> the one time I, I got drunk the night before a, a TSE Cup game, <laughs> we uh, the only time, and I never have since. We played Geelong on a Sunday morning, and I had a good friend's 18th the night before. And at that stage, I was playing some pretty good footy, so I don't know. I was like, ah, oh, we'll just go and have a few. Anyway, a few turned into probably 10, you know, Volker Red Bulls at that age. And um, myself and Bussy woke up the next morning and we were just hungover. It was an 8 a.m. game in Geelong. Oh. So our moms have driven us out there. We're both in the back seat looking at each other going, Fuck. The two key forwards, the yeah, two biggest the names. Two, mate, the, two, the two guys and we we're, were the bottom ages. <laughs> anyway, we get there and I got to Bussy before I go, mate. Well, I'm done here. I'm not going to get a kick. He goes, same. <laughs> Mate, after that game, I think I had six and 28 possessions and about 15 marks. <laughs> I had no idea how I did it, but. <laughs> you hear so many stories like this, people. Yeah. I don't, I've never done it. You hear about it all the time, especially the local footballers. Yeah. Like, mate, just get tonked the night before and go out and you got nothing to lose. It was almost like no pressure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and we could obviously just, we were reeking of alcohol, but um yeah, we were just like, I was like, you know, I'm just, what else are we going to do? We're here now. We might as well play. And yeah, just that was probably, and honestly, that's probably the best game of my whole life almost. Wow. That's yeah. 28, 15, and six yeah, goals. Yeah, or something like that. Something that's stupid. Massive. Yeah. Yeah. I'd imagine you would have, you would have had a few monster games clunking them. Um, well, let's go to the draft. Uh, we obviously played our state footy together and um, we knew how good you were. When did you know that you were probably going to go pick one? Um, I probably – I only actually found out the day of the draft. Um, Steve Silvani pulled me aside and sort of said, look, we want to take you as number one. It's up to you. Um, there's obviously a lot of pressure that comes with it and being key forward. You're probably going to take a few more years than um, like Cogs, Steve Keneally, who went number two. Um, and uh, I, but about four months prior to that, he came around after the championships that year and said, we're going to pick you in that top three because the Giants obviously had the top three picks that year. So that was pretty cool. I was like, wow, all right, well, I'm closer to that goal of being the number one pick. Um, and then I was pretty much on ice for actually the later part of that year because um, I had tendonitis in my left knee. Um, so they just so we went to draft went to draft camp. Um, I did nothing. Like me and, me and Cogs, we just did nothing together because he knew he was going there as well. I know. I remember, I remember this. Yeah, and that's where that's where our bond started because um, we both, you know, like it was pretty funny. We both sort of knew of each other. Um, cause we were the most spoken about that year. Um, so we're kind of like not had a rivalry, but we're both, oh, that's the guy or that's the guy they're talking about. For those um, listening and watching it, Steve Canelo was WA boy. So the Vic boys yeah. we've never seen, we just hear yeah, about him. We just hear about him. Um, so, uh, and then at the draft, we both sort of sat down. We're like, well, we should become friends, right? We should talk because we're going to be teammates. <laughs> um, and we we're both on ice for the whole time. Um, which is, which is cool. Um, and so, that, yeah, but not until the actual draft day, I found out Sauce pulled me aside and, you know, I'm still really close with Steve Silvani to this day. And he sort of said, mate, you know, if you want to be pick one, we want to give it to you. Um, I said, what's the bonus for pick one again? What was the bonus? 10 grand. Oh, um, that's massive. Yeah, it was massive at 18, um, huge at 18. And um, so I was like, no, nah, I'll, I'll be pick one. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, Cogs, Cogs. Uh, unfortunately for him, he was pick two, but pick two. he still got a bonus too. It's all, it's all yeah, good. all of yeah. you did. Who went? Dom, Dommy, Dommy, yeah, was, Dommy three. was three. Such so many good blokes in the yeah. heaps. That was the year. 
That was um, – What did Toby go? Toby oh, Green. Toby's went like – I think he went 12 or 13, yeah. Jeez, what a steal. And he um, he came out of nowhere that championship, so if you can remember, he was um, – Oh, I do remember. Yeah, he was unreal. Like he he wasn't even picked until like the week before our first game. Because well, he was because he was mucking around at school a bit. I think they didn't want to pick him. Yeah. But they put him in yeah. the trial games and yeah, he they, got about fifty touches. And I remember the last game. They're like it was almost politics. They're like we just got to give him one more go and we'll yeah. cut him. And he had like thirty five. And they're like fuck, we'll just have to pick him. Yeah, and then he just kept doing it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, man. he was and and he was obviously so quiet. But that first time we, I think after we won it, we went back to Dommy's parents' oh. house, had a good night there, and I was like, "Geez, Tobes is um quite loud. Yeah. <laughs> he's actually he's actually not this little uh this little this little boy almost. He looks so young at that age too. He looked probably he looked probably looked fourteen at eighteen. Oh, we all did. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. didn't? Yeah. No, I did. I, I still can't even grow a beard now. <laughs> Like we had a great team, and a lot of a lot of guys we're all still close with. They were the they were the glory days. The the, the Vic Metro, um, yeah, we had we won five and five out of five. five, out of five yeah. How many people have ever done that? I don't think that was that was a special team, guys. Yeah, yeah, it was, and you know we um whenever you see like one of the one of those boys, you know after a game when when you're playing, it was always like you always talk about that time of um, and we had some good coaches that year as well. We got the um the, the Wisher. Wisher. He yeah. was a really really cool, good coach and good bloke. Um, but yeah, no, it's cool. You know, you can look back on those things, and especially, you know, it's well over ten years or yeah, eleven years now since that time. And um, you know, it's just cool that you can sort of look back and you know everything that's going on now with whatever you're doing, or if you if the blokes are still in the league, and um, you know, it's cool to look back and go, All right, we did that, and we did that, and we did that. Pretty good memories. Yeah, relationships are everything. It's kind of everything I said when I'm finished up. Like it's just one thing that you look back and even now it's just like that's the best part, I guess, of sport. You just meet so many cool people, not just teammates, like people involved from coaching to management to to everyone. So um, now let's go. You've gone pick one. How did you deal with the expectation of pick one looking back? Um, I think I dealt with it all right. Well, the good thing was – when you're going to the Giants to pick one, it was like, all right, you're in this sort of marketplace where there's footy's not really known at all. Um, so, which is somewhat of a hit to the ego because you've gone from sort of, I remember the night of draft and then coming back to Melbourne that weekend, you know, everyone wants a piece of you, everyone wants to speak to you, everyone wants to talk to you. And then you go to Western Sydney and no one knows you. <laughs> and we're traveling out to Blacktown um, with traffic an hour each way. And I'm going, and I'm talking to you, going, Tommy, how's free? And you're going, oh, we got rock star treatment. <laughs> we got this. We're getting lunch, all this sort of stuff. And we were like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, how's how's the um, Giants? It's like the the the, the um, atmosphere and the, and the and the place was really uh, like awesome. The team was great, but yeah, it was it wasn't too sort of. Um, oh, we won't sugarcoat. It was, it was the, the experience yeah. early days. Was, yeah, it was tough. Looked very tough. Yeah, and that's that's why the Giants obviously made the move of going into Homebush to get everyone closer to the city or eastern suburbs of Sydney. Um, but, yeah, no, I think I dealt with it pretty well. Um, but, you know, that's obviously where the sort of injury started. Pretty much as soon as I got drafted, I was – as soon as, well, when I got drafted, my knee was – left knee had knee tendonitis and probably three weeks after the draft I had to go to Sweden um, to get that clean out on my tendon um, from this, like, surgeon who's done, like, Ronaldo and – was pretty funny actually he's got a board up on the um in his uh theater and he's got all these signatures he's got like tom brady was there and ronaldo and um nadal 
I've just put mine like right, <laughs> right, right in between them all. That's um, great. Yeah, so that was a so that's that's obviously where the injury sort of started. Um, I missed the first twelve games of my first year. That was that was hard because you know I remember round one watching the team play. You know I was like I should be out there, and you know the worst thing is is through any injury, as you know, you go I can do that or I can do that better. Um, but you, but you're obviously not out there, and um, you're injured, so it's hard to, you know, that's the that's the mind game of sort of injuries and everything. When you when you know you're watching and you know you can be out there and if and do it if not better. And that's and being a pick one and just you'd be that you know eager to get out there. Like how hard were those twelve weeks of being injured? Was that obviously it's, we're going to talk about what comes on later on? But that's only just knee tendonitis, yeah. Yeah, that was just the tendonitis. So that's just tendonitis. You've gone and got the clean-up with this specialist? Got the clean-up with the specialist and it kind of worked, kind of not. Um, but got back and played um, about five or six games and then um, my shoulder my shoulder went the last four games of that year. You did shoulder first? Yeah, so I did my shoulder uh, in my first year. Fuck. Um, so, that, so then I missed the last four games of that, that year. So you got knee tendonitis, few games – How'd you go in those games? Because you guys were getting tonked. We were getting tonked. I went, I went okay. I was showing, I was showing glimpses. Yeah. Um, as you know, any young key forward, that's all you want is glimpses, right? Like, not too often. Um, you know, some of them now are freaks. Like those King brothers, they're awesome. Um, but very sort of rarely can you come out in your first year or two and like just dominate games. Um, so I was showing glimpses, but yeah, then that happened again. And um, so yeah, I think I, I think I only played about six games in my first year. And then you, so you've busted your shoulder. What did you actually do to it, and how long were you out for? Labrum or labrum, and I think it, I got surgery, so it was a um, about three month injury. I was alright to sort of resume training that preseason with that contact at the start, um, and I had a really strong preseason that that leading into that year, my second year, um, and that's where I probably, you know, after your first year, you take it a lot more serious. You kind of know what the, what it's like, um, you know that all right, it's year two, more expectation. Um, all right, miss, I only played six games. All right, let's get it together. Um, so I had a really good preseason that year. Then I played well, round round two, uh, sorry, round one, and I, I think I played the first three three games of that my second year, and I was actually playing pretty well. And then um, I believe that's when my second – that's when my, I did my first knee. Fuck. Yeah, my second year. You still remember it? Yeah. Yeah, man, I remember talk it. Us like through, talk us through the moment. Um, it was actually in Canberra. Um, it was in Canberra and it was against Saints and um, I just got tackled. I just remember it was, I think it was in the first quarter, I just got tackled and um, I just heard this pop in my knee and then I just went down obviously grabbing it, screaming and I was just like, got up and I walked, I you know, sort of walked off, got carried off and then, um, yeah, got scans, showed I did my ACL. So I was like, oh shit, like that's a whole year. And... Um, yeah, so then I missed that. Obviously, I think that was in round three of that year or four of that year, and I had a really good start to that year. Um, I think I, if I had to play that whole year, I would have, I would have been, I would have done a, a really good job. But yeah, fuck. So you've come in next year pretty fit and then done that. You so you're out, you're out for the whole year. How'd you go dealing with that? Looking back, um, it's your first. You know, you've already had a couple. We're going to talk about injuries for the next twenty minutes, probably here, but. Because you had such a tough career with injury, that's the first ACL. Yeah, how hard was that? That was hard. That was tough, but that was the easiest of them um, yeah. because it was the first. And you're like, all right, um, 
you know, and I feel I like to think I'm pretty mentally strong. Um, although there's been times when it's probably gotten the better of me, but um, I was like, you know what, all right, I'm out for that whole year. Just literally, that was a time, and I and like most sort of young big guys at that age, you got to be carrying a bit of puppy fat on you. So that was like, all right, this is just to get this is a good chance to get my whole body sorted um, and ready for the following year. Um, so it wasn't too bad. I mean, it was obviously hard and long. And at this stage, Jeremy Cameron's obviously dominating. Yeah, Jesus. I think he's like, or I think he won the Coleman that year and um, all came close to it. And like, uh, he was so good really early. Um, and, you know, I was supposed to be right next to him. So I'm looking at Jezza going, oh, like, you know, I, I should be there with him doing that. Um, so that was tough to sort of watch that whole year and know, like, I can be out there and. I, I could have been out there doing sort of really good job with jazz, but um, yeah, that and then so yeah, to put it in short, I was actually it was the easiest one of them all because I was young and not naive, but I had no sort of mental anxiety around it because I think at that age, well, for me, I didn't really sort of feel much much of that um, because I knew I still had a really long career ahead of me if I could get myself right. Um, so yeah, that was actually a good, not a good time, but. I, I smashed that rehab and, and came back the next year. And you wouldn't have known what to expect either. It's all new, isn't it? It's all exactly. It's all new, and you know you've got physio, you've got you got everything around you on foyer, which is the best thing about it. Um, but it was, uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was obviously tough, but um, it did again set myself up for that following year. Because you. Because we you know what happens afterwards. Well, people will find out in a second. But talk to me about the actual rehab build. You know rehabilitation for a knee what goes into it because i've seen it i've yeah. seen it but look i don't know because yeah. i haven't been through it what what do they say from you know you've done your knee obviously there's surgery and whatnot and rest period and then you build yourself back up but talk to us as you know give us a glimpse of what it looks like um oh there's so much to it like obviously you got to get these swelling down you got to make sure the whole knee is just like the ligament actually sort of mends first it turns from because you, you, you obviously take your uh, hamstring tendon, right? So what they do is they cut out the hamstring tendon, which is like that long, and then they like pretty, that pretty much is your ACL, your new ACL, because once your ACL goes, it's gone. They can't reattach it like a, um, Achilles. So that's gone. So then it gets another tendon from elsewhere, and they pretty much like tie that as your new ligament. So that needs, I think that takes about four or five months to turn into a ligament. So that's why the process is very long. So for the first sort of three months, you're just like getting it as like just swelling down as much as you can, letting that ligament sort of mend. Um, and then sort of around that three-month mark, you start to run. Um, you start to obviously get like a lot of strength back in your legs. That's what a lot of it is, just strength and, and, and running. Um, and then you probably get to like, but the, the, the hardest thing is you just week in, week out, day in, day out, the same shit every single day. And there was days you'd wake up and go, fuck this. Like, I'm not, I'm like, this is, this is not my day. And you'd walk into the club and you'd be a rude prick to everyone. Everyone's going, fuck, what's wrong with him today? Um, but I think people are, and clubs are pretty good at that sort of stuff now, knowing that like, if someone's going through a long rehab or something, all right, it's just not his day. So there was a few of those days. Um, yeah, but it's obviously a long process. And then you get to a period where you all you do is fucking run, 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 run. Like just the amount of running that you do. Because obviously when you get to playing, you need to be 
fully engaged and you need to be up to speed somewhat. And, um, yeah, because the last thing, well, not the last, well, yeah, the last thing you want to do is re-hurt yourself, but sometimes that just happens. So you're running, you're running, and then there, and when, at what point before you go back to return to play do you start changing direction? <sighs> Probably six, seven, six months, I reckon. Yeah. Um, six months, jumping, landing, all that sort of stuff. Um, I came back at about nine months after my first uh, knee. I think it was about nine. By the time I did it the year before, round three, I think it was, and then I played the first practice match the next year, actually. Um, and I came back like – I came back really good. Ripping Nick. Yeah, I came back really, really good. Um, my whole body had changed. Um, you know, my work ethic went to the next level. Um, and then, yeah, so I, just, I, I literally didn't miss a game um, that whole third year from practice match all the way through to um, – obviously doing or doing my knee again, that same knee later in that year. But I think I played about 18 games, 19 games in a row, including pracky games, Yeah, um, which may have something to do with the knee sort of collapsing later that year. But, um, yeah, I came back in, in, in good nick and, yeah, that was the year when – that was a very eventful year actually, yeah. Yeah, fuck. So you, that, let's go before you did your knee. You got those all those games together. Like, did you start kicking bags? I mean, I can't remember, but I know you um, started to play some. Football. I, I had some games where I kicked a few bags, but I was more look when we was when we were kind of at our best. Um, and like that year, Jeremy was Jeremy. Jeremy just kicks goals, right? He just kicks five goals a game every game. Um, so I would. I would get up the ground a lot, and I would I would be that link, not link up, but yeah, like I said, half forward. Yeah. Um, and I still did – I had a really good year. Um, and, you know, I think uh, that's when, you know, the time in the key forwards career you start to go, I, I belong and I'm fucking pretty good here. Um, and I think I started to gain a lot of respect from my play, the plays, the coaches, you know, other teams. Um, you know, I remember one – we played against Richmond and um, Alex Rance played on me and I kicked three goals, five. Um, and Rance said to me after the game, like, fucking, mate, you, you've got it. Like, you're going to be really good. Um, and that was pretty cool to hear because he's like one of the best um, backs of all time. Um, so, yeah, I played pretty much every game that year. And then, yeah, four games to go, or three games to go. That's, yeah. And there was a few things that happened leading up to that, to that me doing money that year. But what, what, what happened leading up to it? Um, oh, well, there was just, um, you know, a, a bit of contract stuff. And oh, well, you had a contract at the time? No, nah, I, I wasn't out of contract. Is this 2014? Yeah, I think it was. Is this the Tom, is there a Tom Boyd contracting? Is this the same one? Yeah. That, so yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I remember this. So Tom Boyd and you were at the club together. Yeah. Both number one picks. Yeah. Doggies are offering a huge contract. Yeah. Did you get offered that contract first? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so the doggies have offered you because it's a it's a monster contract. Yeah, it was. Um, it, oh, seven years, seven, seven years, mil. One, yeah, seven, seven years, seven, seven mil. mil, something like yeah. So they've offered you this contract in your third year, and because yeah. you, you've dominated, when I say dominated, you've strung eighteen games yeah. plus preseason. They're like, geez, this bloke's the man, and they've thrown it at you. Well, yeah, I mean, they'll probably say, you know, oh well, this or that. But well, as far as I know, I just remember Leon sort of pulled me into the office like halfway through that year and goes, all right, um, I was still contracted for the next year. But he said, all right, mate, we want to um, re-sign you. And I was like, oh, how good is this? He goes, yeah, um, you know, a couple more years would be great. And I was kind of like, yeah, perfect, you know, cool. Um, 
and then I called my I called Paulie Paulie Connors um, that that night, and I was like, oh, they, Leon wants to um, like they want to re-sign me. It was kind of like a little oblivious to it all of probably what a number one key, key, key forwards worth. You know, nowadays you just need to be tall and big and you get a mil. Um, <laughs> and don't play a game for two yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and Paul said, oh, look, um, they don't know yet that, um, and you don't know that um, doggies are offering you seven years, seven mil or something. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And I was like, nah, fuck off, mate. Really? I was at 20, 21. And he's like, yeah. And I, I kind of didn't believe him. And then. Um, literally the next day it came out on the front of the Australian um, newspaper, I think it was, um, you know, me, uh, oh, well, Doggy's offering Pat and all this, all this money. And I actually, I don't know why, the Giants made me front the media the next day as well and take questions and everything. Anyway, um, that was probably uh, halfway through that year and then um, I didn't want to go to the Doggies and I didn't want to leave the Giants. So then um, we kind of negotiated something similar-ish at the Giants um, but you know, nothing, uh, in writing, in pen, nothing signed, nothing signed. Um, we saw, and, and me and Paul sort of said, you know what, let's just leave it to the end of the year just cause you know, like I'm playing good footy, whatever. Build your, yeah, it's like a, it's a, yeah, you just, yeah, just sort of, just, just let's, let's, and I kind of said, look, I don't really want to think about it right now. Exactly. So yeah. people don't realize, but when you're playing and you're an athlete, team environment, it's just the biggest distraction of all time. Yeah, Whether you're out huge. of contract yeah. or you, you're going to extend, whatever, it's yeah. a huge distraction. Yeah. I can only imagine the demand. It yeah. would have just been doggies as well. There would have been other clubs going, oh, he wants to leave, we'll jump in as well. Yeah. So I think most agents do say we'll yeah. handle that at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing about that, you know, I'm thinking, well, either way, I'm going to be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm on realestate.com, like looking at all these houses. Fonda, North Fonda. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a Range Rover. I'm going to get this, um, which is pretty funny. Um, but yeah, then it um, obviously didn't happen. Um, and, oh, well, let's go to the dark day. ACL 2, who are you yeah. playing and how did it happen? Uh, playing Melbourne, actually, at the MCG. Um, and I just went up for a mark. Uh, I, yeah, I just went up for a mark. Um, and I just came down awkwardly and um, bang went again. Fuck. And um, anyone that's, you know, a lot of people have done their ACL, but anyone that's done it knows the feeling. And if you've done it twice, you definitely know the feeling. Same um, leg? That one was the same leg. Yeah, my right knee. So straight away, obviously looking just and, – and it's just like an instant, like just a big pop. Um, and uh, you can just tell when someone does their ACL, right? Like they're just screaming, holding their knee. And, um, and I was just like almost crying on the ground. Uh, and then, yeah, I went in the back and they're doing all those knee tests, which I hate. Um, and I was just like, I was just yeah devastated. So they took me into the hospital to get scans. And the worst thing is, is like to getting scans because you know what you've done. Mm. And you're just like, I don't, do I need to fucking get scans? You're praying it's not an ACL, yeah. but you know, you, yeah. you already have done it. And you're like, oh, yeah. And, um. Yeah, so I went to the hospital and um, and and, and Paul, Paul Connors was there. Um, my mum was there. I uh, was obviously in Melbourne, and then yeah, got the scan. Yeah, yeah, you've you've torn it. And I was just like, I just I I will never forget. I was kind of like, and I'm not stupid, right? I'm going. Well, who's going to offer me that contract now, yeah. right? Like, like why would you? Um, so I obviously knew that was going to be like off the table. Um, but to the Giants' credit, Sauce and um. Gubby Allen, 
they're both just awesome people. Um, they Sauce was actually there that night. He came back to um, our house, my mum's house where I stayed, um, and they said, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna sign you up right now." And I already had the next year contract, so they go, "We're gonna, we're gonna give you a two year extension." Still, like decent money, um, but you know, I think most other clubs wouldn't do that. Actually, no other club would do that. I don't think. Well, the Giants. I've only had two clubs, but the Giants is a special club. Yeah. You know? From Dave yeah. Matthews down the board, but the people, the coaches, Leon's not there now. But what a what a man! All the assistants, yeah. the, the people, the Dill Addison. The, it's an amazing club, isn't it? Yeah, and you know what? Like, and the reason that people say that is because they actually action it. They actually do it. They do these things, um, whereas other clubs <laughs> don't. You know, they'll say things, or we're a family club, or we're this and we're that. It's like you know. Um, so that's the, you know, that was obviously something that they did for me just to make me go feel at ease and somewhat, you know, comfortable. So, all right, it's not 77 mil. Yeah, but, but it's it, security. It's a security. It made me buy, it, you know, it allowed me to buy my first home um, at that age, you know. So I look back and go, you know, I was pretty lucky out of being unlucky mm. in a sense. You know, if I had been at another club, I probably would have, they would have just said, all right, let's just see how you're recovering. Go from there. And you know that it takes a year, so you're already out of contract yeah. by the time you get back. So the, yeah. the, the, the angst of not knowing, at least you've got that security of exactly. two years to yeah. make a name for yourself. Fuck, man, going through it the second time, the rehabilitate. Because you're going into off-season as well. So like the off-season is a time where you check out, you travel, yeah. you get to spend time doing things that you don't get the chance to do, see friends, family back in Melbourne, reset, yeah. go again. What would that? What did that off-season look like for you? Um, man, Literally, I picked up uh, boxing that year, that off season. I was doing so much training. I was just a bit of a like I just got into this sort of zone of like, all right, like at that stage, my best mates from back home um, there, and she was like my not my like my second mum. She'd um, just been diagnosed with cancer, um, and so I was like, well, like. You can't sit around going, poor me, poor me. Like, how, like this sucks. Well, I, I lost seven mil, you know, like, or I lost a big contract or this or that. I'm going to be out for another year. So I, I put it into perspective of like, fuck, I'm actually still lucky. Like, I'm still on good money. I've still got a three, like that stage three years ahead of me of, you know, um, financials. And then I just literally just doubled down on just getting fit, getting back, getting money as strong as possible. Um, and that knee still to this day hasn't that hasn't gone. It was the other one that mm. that went. But um, you know, because I I was just I I went on a juice diet. I went crazy. Yeah. Um, and I was studying the knee. I was studying all the different sort of ways and you know change direction and this and that. Um, the following year, I went to uh, America for the first time and did the knee rehab with Bill Knowles, um, who's done uh, actually. He's uh, Andy Murray went and. Um, Stayed with him for two months over in Philadelphia um, for his hips. So like he – and he charges like five grand a day, this guy. Um, so that's when I did that with him and I got that knee as strong as possible. Um, yeah. Is this the guy Wardy went and saw when we were together? Yes. I remember the, yep. I remember the, seeing the footage. Yep. Um, so what did you do differently your second time round compared to the first time? Because the same knee. Yeah, I think it's just like going through it. It's like anything. Once you've done something, you know what to expect and, and what to do. Um, so I knew what to do. I knew what it took, and I just doubled down on it. And 
um, yeah, I think it was just the hardest part was obviously just being out again. Yeah. So then, you know, like, and because no one had more expectation on myself than me because I knew how good I was. I was like, if I play, I'm going to be better than most of these guys. Yeah. So that was the hardest part was just watching. Like, and by that stage, I'm like, shit, I've been in the league for like, what, four years? I've probably played 35 games in four years. You know, it's not even 10 games a year. So I'm thinking, you know, like, I just want to get back and play. So you get back and because you did it at the end of that third year, when did you actually, when was your return game? Because the return game, yeah. But when you're at a footy club and someone's injured and they're out for a long time, as a teammate, there's just nothing. You don't get any happier. You just can't wait to get them. There's like little moments. It's like when they run and everyone gets around them. Yeah. It's so good. When they when they play their first game, everyone gets around them. That's like in the seconds. But then that AFL the return yeah. game, it, it's special, and yeah. and and the players are so nervous because yeah. you can see them. Yeah. When was your ret- when was your return, and and how was it? Because the Giants do it better than anyone. Yeah, it was it was later that next year, um, but I, I came back and I was a shell of myself. Oh, really? Because that's when the the and the, the way I did my second knee was a jumping um, action. So, and and as a key forward, that's what you do, right? You jump for the marker ball. Um, so I was not jumping for anything. I was just like, Nervous I was as. like just jumping at shadows, right? Like I don't want to jump for this. And then, you know, Leon, you know, he was a really good coach and especially during those times to his credit, he just, he just pulled out this vision and goes to me after three games, he goes, look, look at these instances, you know, you're not jumping. And he goes, you know, I don't want to just drop you and just play at the twos. He goes, and there's only three games to go that year and we weren't playing great. He said, you're not playing the rest of the year. Three more. It was only three games. He said, "We're just gonna, we're just gonna make you, get you a full preseason." Because by that stage, I had, I've, I've barely done a full preseason in my career. So I literally didn't play the last three games because it was no point. I was just scared. I was gonna do my knee again. Right? I was having fucking nightmares about doing my knee again. Like genuine. Like I would wake up because by that stage it was two. Right? So I'm like, fuck. And so I would wake up during the night and I'll be like, fuck. You know, another dream about me doing my knee. Yeah. Um, so I was that 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 really got on top of me, and I just couldn't play well. It's like any player coming back from injury. You, you, I can see probably better than most when someone's not confident. Um, they haven't lost the ability. They're just not confident. You lose your confidence, don't you? And man? when you're not confident in your body, you, as an athlete, you 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 really you're nothing, right? As no matter how good you are. Especially when you start making skill errors, and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm just I'm just yeah. nothing now. Yeah. I'm just I suck. Yeah, <laughs> and you get in yeah. your own head, don't you? Yeah, and then the media obviously will um, start calling you, you know, saying this and saying that. It's no good. So the best thing was just not play that that rest those last three games, um, which is probably the best thing for me. That's 2015. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, because 2016 is the year that we probably that's that's the year. Speaking of Tom Boyd, 2016 yeah. is the so you, you you have a full preseason. Yeah, talk to me about that year because that that year I played. Every game. You dominated about. that year. I, I remember well. you played in that big game, the prelim, didn't you? Yeah, I played so in the that, prelim, yeah. That was a special year for the Giants. Yeah, that was that was when we came out of nowhere and made the prelim. We should have won. We should have won that year. I think everyone in the club thinks that. Um, yeah, but obviously Doggies were on an amazing run as well that year, um, but we should have won. That um, To go back though, so that off-season, you've had the Leon, the great man, shout out um, and hope you're doing well, big fella. The – the three games off and yep. then preseason, that was a great decision, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, because I just I had a full preseason then, 
um, and then I was back to myself almost that next year. Um, and you, we, we had a, we had such. Good, I was only saw Tobes and, and Cogs and Wardy um, of last week up in Brisbane when they played, and we were sort of just like, shit, how good, how good was that team? We we had an unbelievable team. We should have just, we should have won it for sure that year. And um, yeah, that was a really good year for the club. For me personally, it was my first full year of football since I was like fucking 16, 17. Who was the forward line? It was like you, Toby, Stevie J was there then. Stevie J, yeah. Jezza. Jezza, Lobby, Lobby. Lob, uh, Dev Smith. It, it's it, it's a fucking action-packed six. Good, 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 really good You didn't want to you didn't yeah. want to go down there and be yeah. like, who, who are we playing on here, boys? Yeah, and we were so dangerous. Anyone could kick a bag of that, that, you know, and the best thing about it was no one had ego up there. I mean, we all had ego, but no, everyone was happy to share it around. You know, that's Jez's best quality is he's so unselfish. Um, and Toby as well, um, you know, everyone was just like, all right, this is your turn for a goal. It's your turn for a goal. Um, yeah. And then obviously our midfield was packed and our back was pretty, uh, our backs were packed oh, yeah. as well. The whole it was team just, stacked. it was such a good, yeah, it was such a good team. Yeah. Um, the, the, the giant, how would you describe the Giants footy club to people? Cause I'm the biggest advocate. I, I, yeah. I, I can't speak more. Yeah. I think, place. I think, you know, I think the blokes that go to other clubs probably know it, know it more. Than blokes that are there, um, it's hard to describe, man. I think it's just like the fact that we started there and we got to actually build it. So we got to set the culture and set the way things are done. And Dave Matthews, Leon Cameron, um, you know, everyone had a, their own sort of bit and putting it together. Steve Canilio, Phil Davis, obviously huge, Cal huge, um, Tobes, all these blokes. So it's just one of those things. It's like, you know, when you go to our other club and there's a lot of things that have, you know, are just completely different. Things are run differently. It's a lot more of a business. It's a lot more getting get out, um, you know, a lot more of a hierarchy. You know, young players are pushed to the side. Older players are the, are the kings. Whereas at the Giants, everyone's on the even sort of playing field. Everyone treats each other equally. Um, the board treat the players like their sons. You know, it's just one of those, you know, from the from from the head the top down, um, it's just yeah, an awesome club. It is, and 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 family is in the is in the trademark. It's on the walls when you walk in, and like you said, it's one thing to have it in the, you know, in writing, but to live it every day. It's something that really stood out for me when I was there. Like yeah. just even after a game, righto, back to the club. Like yeah. literally, just walk into the club rooms and everyone can have a beer and a drink and a yeah. feed. It's like how fucking good's this. Yeah, and like I said, I, I, I think a lot of the plays there, you know, I've spoken to a couple of them over the last few years that have thought about going and I'm just like, look, look, you, know, you got to do what you got to do sort of sometimes, but the grass isn't always greener. <laughs> yeah, unless you're getting seven, seven mil for unless seven years. Seven mil, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 2016, um, it's one of the greatest matches. If anyone out there that uh, hasn't seen it, I'm sure you have, but the Doggies and uh, the Giants prelim, it's, it goes down in history as one of the greatest games of footy you'll see. Devastating uh, result for the Giants footy club. Um, we go into 2017 now. What what year do you do your third year, third knee? 18. 18. So two. So you've had your you've had a great year here, and then 17 another yeah. year. Yeah, that was my best year. Um, and no reason. Yeah, you can see why you've had a. Yeah, yeah, and I was I was confident. You know, um, at that Je Jezza was um, Jezza was pretty. I think he was in and out of that year, so it gave me more um, responsibility. Um, I was like, you know, I'm at that stage now where you're kind of, they call it, you know, flow state. You know, I just know what was going to happen every week somewhat. You know, it was always like, yep, um, 
you know, I'm going to go into this game and I'm just going to play well. Um, I might play, you know, seven out of ten, but I'm not going to play under a six out of ten. Um, so that was just, yeah, that was that was my best year. Um, me, Jezza and Toby, we shared the goal kicking award that year. Um, yes, and I think, you know, I was up there at the contested marks of the year and all that sort of stuff. And we played in the prelim again that year against the against the Tigers. So the funny thing is, we caught we caught two teams in sixteen and seventeen on these runs yeah. of their of the, the the best runs of the whole history of that club. The doggies had never had a run like that. And Richmond were like the year before was shit. They we beat they, we beat them a year before that by hundred points. Yeah, they were shit, and they just came out of nowhere and dominated. And and so and that was at the G in front of you know. 105,000 people or something. So it was um yeah that was that was a good year for me personally and for the club but another year when you go fuck you know we were that close to a grand final um and I've no doubt both years if we make the grand final we win. Um whereas when they when the Giants actually played in the grand final there was it was like Giants had we had three Grand finals before the grand final, you know, yeah. was, we were never going to win that. Boys were boys were banged up for that one down the track. So you've 2016 just miss out. 2017, um, two years in a row, uh, the big fellas put all these all these games together. This is where it's heartbreaking. 2018, what round was it? Oh, it was like probably mid year, mid to late year that year. Um, it wasn't in the game, but um, it was in training. Yeah, and I just. Um, I just went up for a mark, like a stock center mark in training. And I and I literally just landed and, yeah, my other knee just went bang. Remember it on the news because I was thinking it was my last year at Freo. Yeah. Because um, I saw you going through this 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 um, rehab. Oh, that was your first year, wasn't it? Well, I think I got to the Giants in 2019, so you were still going through yeah. um, the rehabilitation. But, mate, fucking hell. Yeah. Third knee and it's a new one. It's the other yeah, knee. It's the other knee. Yeah. So that was the that was Talk me through the whole session. You got up, you didn't you know, you wouldn't have even thought about it. What were you doing when you did your third knee? Um oh mate, I, I, I was just you know, like it was just one of those things you go, and I had a really good game the week before and um yeah, I mean we were playing well. Um and then I just yeah, went up from a normal mark and then I just remember being on the ground and that one was the, like the worst by far. Like I was so sore. My whole knee just went like that. Like, and I had, um, it was, I could, I looked down at my knee and it was almost like my knee was out of place. And then it kind of like, you know, when your shoulder sublaxes, it just kind of went back in. Um, that was just, yeah. And then, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was cause I, again, after the second time, you know, you you know what you've done. Um, yeah, so I went the I was fucked. I went and got a, um, a scan that day. Although I was like, no, I'm not getting a scan. I've done it. But they need to see what else you've done. And I, I'm in the um, the machine. Like, oh, jeez, like that. Ram, 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 ram. <laughs> oh, mate, the, uh, it's the worst noise. In- I've, I'm, mate, I've spent some hours in, in those things, and I was in there for like 45 minutes, and mate, the machine cut out. So I like I didn't get any results. <laughs> so then I went back to mine. I got shit faced with like a couple of boys came around, um, and, and a couple I'm of coaches pain. at the time who I won't mention, but they're great friends of mine. And we just we just had some drinks and just thought, fuck, what, you know, get around the big fella. Care. Like I'm mean, not who cares, but like you know, this is whatever. 
And then, so yeah, got the scan the next day and um, that was a bad one. That had heaps of knee bruising and stuff like that. And um, yeah, and then being the other knee, I, I tried to spin it into a positive, like, oh, at least it's not that knee, it's the other knee. Yeah. You know, so, um, but yeah. Fuck, man. So what were you, just right, <clears throat> changing direction? No, I just, I just went for a mark and landed. landed. Apparently people said there was no one even fucking around me. So it was like- They have it on footage. They, they have had it on, on footage. I've never yeah. seen it. Yeah, you don't want to see it. No, I don't want to see that. It's fucking devastating. You look back now, like that. those moments afterwards, you know, like because what happens is everyone gets around you, they'll have beers, you know, break the rules, just show as much support as possible. But, I mean, how hard was it, that third one? And were you out of contract as well? Um, well, you have a year nah, left? Nah, so I signed after 2016. I signed a three-year extension. So I Thank still God. had- yeah, I know. So that that's where it comes around. I go, well, I was actually lucky that I signed. I probably signed for unders for what I was playing, um, but it was still good money. But, you know, obviously with what happened, it was fucking well and truly overs Yeah, because um, I wasn't playing. Um, but so luckily in my head, I've, again, got that security ahead of me, um, which not many blokes who have had injuries ha- like have had, whereas I've been fortunate in that sense. I, I, I always had, um, but yeah, that was, that was tough, man. Like I was, you know, that's when you go uh, retirement. Um, you know, I think I was only 26 or something retirement. Um, what else am I going to do this, this, and this, you know, I've got, you know, there's so much going through your head at that stage. Um, maybe this just isn't for me, but it's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. Who the fuck am I? Like that's when, you know, your whole sort of identity crisis or your whole sort of, um, yeah, like you, 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 your self-being, your soul, you're like, this is my only thing, right? Like, um, and then when that gets taken away from you again, and then, and then uh, that's where resentment came in for me for football. That was the start of like that sort of phase and um, just not enjoying football really from then on. Yeah, it gets tough after that, doesn't it? Yeah. Jeez, it's um, – at third knee, for anyone out there, what's your greatest advice to people that do do their knee and if they have <clears> been <throat> through such adversity injury-wise in sport? Um, probably um, just do it as hard as you can, do rehab as hard as you can. Um, I, I probably, I, and I think I have a lot of hereditary stuff, genetic stuff, which played in part of mine, luck as well. Um, you know, so much to do with luck. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, obviously so many people do their knees and, and whatnot. Um, but you know, I think it's just work is like, it's just the old cliche work as fucking hard as you can. Yeah. So you make sure you don't do it again. <laughs> yeah. You've spoken about like, you know, the feeling of not living up to expectation and falling into depression. Did you want to touch on a bit more about that? Yeah. So that's when, you know, looking back, um, you know, you go, well, geez, I was probably like, like heavily, not heavily, but I was, yeah, like depressed. Um, but at the time you're, you're thinking, what? well, I'm not depressed. You know, I'm earning fucking half a million dollars a year, you know, and I'm, I've got this, I've got, I've got, I've got a couple of houses. I've got everything I need. I shouldn't be depressed. Um, so the, and and I didn't really I don't think I really ever saw someone to speak to or anything but um, but yeah then going through what I did sort of those you know from really up until now you know you can look back and go yeah no I was I was I was definitely depressed and you, so you didn't say you didn't speak to anyone I don't think so nah Do, would you change it if you if you look back now or you yeah I mean I would 
but like I think there's a time like like I said I didn't know that I was at the time so because you're in great areas now you look back and go yeah Jesus. yeah yeah it's perspective and um what is depression at that age too like you know I, was, I wasn't depressed as a kid so I'm like I didn't really know what it was yeah well fuck like I think most people would be um just three knees like and and as a good mate of yours and everyone else it's just it's it, yeah it sucks and I don't think I know many people that have, I don't do you know many people that have done three knees? Nah, Alex Johnson. Uh, but that was sort of did um, different infection in, in issues. But yeah, it was probably the point oh 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 one percent that does it. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous, ridiculous. And then, um, well, I remember getting there. That's when I get there. So two thousand nine is where we get to actually play together. We don't really play together, yeah. but we get to hang out together. You looked after me with Cogs the first few months. I got there. I'm really grateful for that. Um, and I got to see what the Giants are all about. Mate, you were doing some serious training. I remember when you were trying to get back into the team 2019, there was the amount of training that you were doing to like lose weight, weren't you? Like you yeah. were doing I remember you were doing all these cross trainers with I your was, hoodies on and Yeah, man. I was like I was going down to like F45s and stuff. You were doing boxing, yeah, you were yeah. doing like Monty was yeah. taking you boxing. You ended up going to America there for a bit for Yeah, training. I did that again. And you know what, looking back now again, I think I was doing a lot of those things for my mental as well. Is, um yeah, that was probably the main thing that was getting me through was just being physically as fit as I could. And breaking it up as well, like being at the mm. club, seeing yeah. the same people, hearing same the same shit. shit. Same you just shit. need to break it up, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, it's um uh, it's great. And then the move to the Hawks, like <clears throat> what you know, what was it like mentally going there and, and leaving such an amazing club like the Giants? Like, why did that take place? You just needed something fresh. Oh, at the time I thought I needed something fresh. You know, that was sort of a big, a big part of it, but man, I'm not going to bullshit. I, I went there because they gave me a three-year deal. Um, you know, they were, they were up the road from where I grew up in. Um, you know, again, at that stage, after my third knee, I thought I'm never going to get another contract again. So as soon as they sort of gave me another three-year deal, I was like, fuck, I'm not going to not take this. Um, which is, you know, caught selfish, caught whatever, but I, I caught, you know, being my position. If anyone else is in my position, what the fuck are you going to do? Mm. You know, are you going to um, – and but in saying that, you know, what 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 happened, I, you know, gave up a lot of that money to, to leave. So, you know, you kind of go there for the wrong reason, but I'll leave for the right reason. So, yeah. It all evens its kind of self out. Yeah. Um, Liz, you know me, we're good mates. Everyone out here listening and watching is like, you know, they want to know – about all the incident that went down, but we're not here to talk about that. It's all about the positivity. Everyone knows what happened. Everyone knows all the all the noise and and whatnot. Um, you know, when all that news broke out, like, how hard was that? Yeah, it's a definitely definitely the toughest time of my life. Um, yeah, you know, like, you know, I, I was in. I went to um, hospital, like a mental hospital, for fucking six six weeks or something. Um. Yeah, like that was that was definitely the toughest time of my life, and you know, people again, people don't. Um, people are very quick to judge or quick to say things, but um, you know, it's you can never. One thing I've learned, you can never put yourself in another person's shoes, right? Um, and I was already heavily depressed. Um, well before that, with COVID, not being able to fucking leave the head, just so much shit that I was like, why the fuck did I move to Melbourne? You know, so much stuff was going on. And I was about to retire after that 2020 year. I called up Robbie Dorazio, mm. one of our um, managers, and I said, man, I'm done. 
goes, mate, you're going to be leaving almost a million dollars on the table. I said, I don't care. I'm done. He said, give it one more year, mate. And if you, if you're not, if you don't want to give it like, if you're done after next year, then all right. And I'm like, fuck yeah. All right. Okay. Um, so yeah, you know, yeah, there was some fucking heavily dark times. I mean, you know, there was one day I was driving back from, um, I was driving back from the, uh, a, um, psychic, uh, psychics, um, office and I was on the, on the, um, Monash highway and, Lucky, you know, lucky my car was like a, a lane thing because like at one stage I was literally driving and I like tried to veer off and, and, and run into a, a um, off-ramp, you know, and like, and, the, and who knows what, what would have happened if I would have braked or whatever, but I was driving off and lucky my lane thing came on and put me back into my lane and then that was like a split. Okay, I, I knew I had to pull over. Um, and, and and call the right people and, and say, you know, I'm, I'm pretty fucked here. I need to get some sort of professional help. Um, yeah, so that was the that was the moment where I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is <laughs> I can't be doing that. That's the darkest day. Yeah, yeah, that was the darkest day. I mean, anyone that sort of has been through a time like that, everyone probably has a moment where they go, that was the time. Um, yeah, so that was uh, that that sort of made me go, all right, I need to you know, seek some help. Enough's enough. A lot of people go out there and appreciate you sharing it, bro, because like everyone out there is human. Everyone has some tough times. What you did special. So you, you picked up the phone. Did yeah. you call? Um, I believe I called Paul, our manager, my, our manager and um, he was he was amazing. Um, uh, and then the club doctor, he was also amazing. And then, um, yeah, pretty much just got into the hospital, like I think two hours later. Yeah. Yeah, it's and, and what goes on in there? Like, this is actually interesting. Like, six weeks, they, you know, the specialists come see you, yep. chill out, get your head right. Like, what, what goes on in there? Um, yeah, I mean, for the first like week, I didn't, I literally didn't even like leave the room. Um, you know, I didn't leave the room. So, but you get, oh, you know, you're on a lot of different drugs. You know, you're on a lot of different things to sort of, you know, get you back down to somewhat, you know, just not thinking these suicidal thoughts or whatever. Um, and I never thought in my life I would ever feel that. Um, so it was a lot of that. <clears throat> um, you know, the people in there are amazing. They're so fucking good. Like, you know, they, I don't know what they get paid, but they deserve to get very well paid. They're just really good people. And, um, you know, you, you meet some really cool, like you meet some really, really different people in there in those places, you know, like it brings you fucking really back down to earth and, I mean, I was already back down to earth, right? I was like <laughs> under earth. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, you get to see so many different perspectives yeah. in a place like that. And, um, yeah, everyone treated me really, really, really well. What was the – who was like the <clears throat> coolest person you met while you are in there? Speaking of like different cats in there, like who was – Mate, that- I've actually got one of my best buddies now who I met in there. It was his wedding about a month ago on, on Mermaid Beach. Oh, brilliant. He got, he got married on the beach and we're both looking at each other going, fuck, a year ago we were in the – we were in the house down in Melbourne together, <laughs> you know. Um, That's brilliant. Yeah, so it's pretty cool how, how 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 far you can come in a short period of time. Yeah, that is, mate. And I really do appreciate you, um, you know, you touching on that because the reason it's important is because there are a lot of people out there that struggle and no matter what it is, like they sometimes feel stuck. Um, they come to that moment and they might not make the right decision. They might not have someone correct them in the lane. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it is really cool that you mentioned that and there's um, there's plenty of places for you to go, but – 
Like you know, mate, the, the train over here, I'm all about the positive <laughs> energy. Is. We, we're is. all about the, the <laughs> fight. It doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down, it's about how many times you get the fuck back up, yeah. right? So you then you then move to Gold Coast. I remember calling you going, how you going, brother? We catch up. You go, mate, I'm driving to fucking Gold <laughs> yeah. Coast. I'm going to my uncle's, my auntie's. Tell me about what happens next because we're looking at the big fella. I'm wondering yeah. where the suit is. Where's the suit? We don't. Nah, no suits in the Gold Coast, man. We don't. Nah, nah. For anyone listening, watching the king of the real estate game now, into the real estate, Koloshi, <laughs> is this? Koloshi, yeah. So that's the agency I'm at. Um, yeah. I mean, it's I'm super fortunate to be where I am um, in the agency. I mean, it's it's probably, you know, you. it's like it's like being in the big league straight away. It's a luxurious real yeah. estate company. Yeah, so we, we specialise in luxury property. Um, and, you know, uh, Michael Koloshi, he's the director owner. He – you know, talk about someone, you know, he, he's, on, he's on track to make $10 million his financial year himself, um, you know, and then he's got the business. And talk about a guy who just like is, is one, of the, one of the best role models you could have in terms of, you know, watching how he runs himself, he carries himself. You know, this guy has got more money than anyone that I've not, – not anyone that I've been – I've been around billionaires, that, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> – <laughs> this guy's got a lot going for him finance and but he's just carried himself with such like um professionalism he's just like he's just like another guy really but he, he's obviously got this presence this aura about him um i'm super lucky to be there my team i'm with brad um cooper and Catherine as well we're like a, you know cooper's only 20 um he's like a little like a little brother to me brad he's like a big brother um figure to me so um yeah, and you know we we only had this convention the other day called ARIC, which is where all the best agents from around Australia come and they listen to each other speak. And we had McConaughey and um, Mel Robbins talk as well there, and I was just sort of like taken aback and going fucking hell, like this is like what I want to be doing like for a long time. Um, so you know, and I look back and I go, you know, I think the way I think the reason I'm so sort of set on this. Um, new career or whatever it is because I had so much time to think about what I wanted to do and I had so much time to think about this period, right? Um, whereas I think a lot of guys who just never get injured, never get any adversity during their career, they come out and they go straight back into a development role or they go straight back into an assistant coaching role or fucking whatever. Go play local footy. Go play local footy or something because they can't get away from that identity, right? Even if they don't – like a lot of them are back there like not making much money but they just – need to be there because that's their feel of self-worth almost. Um, so I look back and go, oh, I think that was a blessing somewhat, those injuries and those all those times when I was fucking down and out going, all right, well, there's more to life than just football. Mate, it's so good to hear the energy. And like I said to you, I see it online. I'm like, mate, I fucking love seeing you um, back up top <clears throat> doing good things. Talk to me about when you moved to Gold Coast, like you're living with your uncle um, at the time. Did you just call him and say, I just need to get the fuck out of Melbourne? Um, and then how long did it take you to to meet the Kaloshi, uh crew, I guess? Um, I, I literally drove out of Melbourne the, the, the morning I retired because I was like, I'm just over all this shit. <clears throat> it's just, you know what Melbourne's like, mate. It's just like- It is madness, man. I remember seeing on the TV, I'm like, fuck me, mum, turn that off. <laughs> I was like- Melbourne's just madness. And um, so I'm like, I'm getting out of here. Um, and so I just pretty much came straight to Gold Coast. My uncle, who's like, you know, one of my best mates- and my auntie, who's awesome, I just stayed with them for the first couple of months and then, um, you know, got myself back to a normal level of, of living. Um, 
And then, mate, from then on, it was just again, it was like my head, it was like my mindset around coming back from an injury. I'm like, bang, on to the next. Um, so I got my real estate license. Um, my uncle knew a few people at Koloshi. Um, they kind of reached out. Um, and then uh, I got a role with Brad Coin. Um, and it was funny. I went into the uh, interview and uh, he goes, uh, <coughs> all right, mate, um, where's your resume? And I go, don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I go, mate, I don't have one. Then he goes, okay. And then I, and he, he's, um, he's Scottish. So he had no fucking idea who I was. And, um, which was great. And uh, he goes, uh, okay. And I had to explain about, you know, my football career and, you know, I never really had a fucking job. And um, so then he just got, you know, I think he just sort of had a, you know, I think his intu- intuition just said to him, you know, that he wants to hire me and give me and give me a go. Um, so he did, which I'm very lucky and fortunate because he was actually looking for someone with experience. Um, but he could probably see um, the way I sort of carried myself and, you know, the, the good thing about being in those in that industry and around the people we're around is you get exposed to a lot of different um, level of people, if you will, um, in terms of, um, you know, the networks that they have, the corporates, especially the giants, you know, they've got probably one of the biggest sort of corporate group around them. Um, so I was exposed to a lot of that at an early age and obviously public speaking <clears throat> with the media, um, you know, I can talk to anyone. Um, I feel so, um, you know, he probably saw a few of those skills and thought he would give me a go and yeah. It's funny how you just mentioned the resume because I'm the same, mate. Yeah. Like, I think I did one at Freo, but then when I went to Giants, I don't know where it is, lost my emails when they cut you off, mate. They cut you off yeah. and you're, you're out of the email system. So <laughs> yeah. I fucking lost all, to get a new yeah, one. Yeah, man. I lost like, all my contacts yeah. and that because they were iMessage, whatever. But the resume, like, that is so funny. Like, what were you saying in that meeting? Because I'd imagine I'd be doing something similar if I wasn't doing this stuff. Like, yeah. I'd have to walk in and go, look, I work hard. I'm a yeah. good bloke. I'll yeah. fucking do whatever you say. Right. Just give me the gig, you know? Like I was almost just like, I almost just said, look, I've learned lessons over my short life that no, not many people get to learn. I've learned a lot of things that not many people get. I've done things that not many people get to do. Um, so I was pretty confident in that because, you know, like I, I'm a confident guy when I'm, when I'm, when I'm good. Good areas. Know? Yeah. Um, so I, I pretty much just back myself into do really anything. Um, and, and this is where sort of a new motivation has come from for, with being in this industry is like, you know, you can, you know, like I was on good money in football, but like, you know, I have a goal in, in three years to earn double what I earned in a year. Um, you know, and that's what type of industry it is. It, it can be whatever you want it to be. And that's what I said to him. I said, you know, I'm not here for two years. I'm here for a long, I'm here for the long game. You know, I want to be one of the best agents in Australia. Um, you know, when, when, when that will be, I don't know. But, you know, I'm that type of guy, you know, and the, and the good thing is, and the, I guess the fortunate thing is I set a, I set a goal when I was young and people probably thought I was stupid and I did it, you know, being them on peak, that was my goal. Um, so that's where that confidence, people might think it's arrogance, but I'm confident because I've done that before uh, at something a lot harder. I, th- I feel it's funny how people do say it's arrogant. You know, the Americans don't, the Australians no. do. We're very, you know, like don't pump ourselves up, but you got to, we used to always talk about it at the giants, but you do really got to lay the goals out there. You put them out yeah. there. You then have the accountability and you do grow a leg up. Don't you? You're not, you're not hiding or being shy about your goals. And you yeah, do, some people go, you're off your head, mate. You're you have like, to visualize it too. Like yeah. I'm big on, vis- like when I was playing my best footy and Cogs was like this and, um, you know, you have to like, I'll look at myself in the mirror and, and say things, 
you know, like you're going to fucking kill it today. You, know? <laughs> you have to. I, I think I feel like it's just such a, a, a hidden gem. Um, and if you're not going to – if you don't have the goal or if you don't have the vision to be the best, then like I don't think you're going to be good, um, you know. So – and, you know, again, people might think it's arrogance or it's, or it's whatever, but I've got the – I've done that before so I know what it's like. Yeah. So I don't know I can do it again. What's the term? It's like give me the average guy with a plan versus the superstar without a plan any go. day of the week. Like, that's you something. Like, average. Yeah. No, 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 no. But that was just a comparison, yeah, you know, like the greatest versus like the, yeah. the average. And it's good, mate. It's good. And I'm so happy to see you up and about in the real estate game. Let's talk real estate. Gold Coast. By the way, Koloshi and the team, fucking huge shout out to not only me but all your friends. And like, To give someone a second chance um, and – more, more an opportunity yeah. and for you to seize it. Like they must be superstars. So like let's just talk about the culture down there and yeah. the people because I haven't met them but I can't wait to meet them. They must yeah. be amazing people. Yeah, look, uh, it's like I said, you've got Michael at the top who's, um, you know, it all starts with him and uh, the culture he's set. He, you know, and, and Michael's gone through, uh, he, he went, he's gone through a lot as well. Um, you know, he's been in the real estate game for over 20 years and he's gone through ups and downs like anyone. Um, so he's just a really sort of good example of, um, you know, what can be done when you actually, when you, when you're focused and you're disciplined and you put your mind towards something, um, you know, and it's not like you're, and you know, the numbers and all this is great, right? Like the, the money, um, that a lot of the agents are doing in the office is crazy. Um, but the numbers is numbers, right? The market's been hot, the market's been good. There's a lot of great agents, but it's just more, um, the expectation in the office in terms of, you know, customer service, client service being, you know, Michael calls it a six-star service. You know, I think a lot of real estate agents, especially ones that I've met in the past can just fucking, I look back now and I go, oh my God, they like, I'm thinking they're probably gun agents and you're going, look, they're probably, they're probably C, C grade agents. Um, and I've only been in the game for like eight months and I can already see it just from being in this office of like six-star service. Um, so we like, yeah, it's, you know, like I said, I'm learning from the absolute best um, and Brad as well, our team and, you know, Brad, Brad and well, Michael spends probably hundreds of thousands a year on coaching for the team, which no other director of a business would be doing. And then Brad would spend quite a bit himself for us, us for our, for our learning. Um, and the coolest thing is, is like, I'm back with, I'm back in kind of under 14s. Yeah. You know, I'm back. That, that's You're my, building. that's my sort of thought process. Whereas a lot of guys, they probably get into it and go, fuck, I need to do like $200,000 my first year and, you know, otherwise not, I'm done. Whereas I know that like what what the future can be if I lay the do, do all the groundwork. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm thinking. Like I'm in that under 14 stage now. Just building sponge. up. Yeah, just sponging it all up. Um, just learning from like there's so many good agents in there. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, – it's 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 a pretty cool place, and being on the Gold Coast as well, it's you know you get to see some pretty f amazing houses. Oh, like, mate. you know, I, I was fortunate enough that my first sale um, came from a mate down in Melbourne who bought this villa in Miami on the beach, and um, what did it go for? Four point five. Fuck. And um, the reserve was like a lot, lot lower than that. A lot. The market's hot as well. Yeah, the, and this was like – this is only my fourth week into real estate and I, a mate from Melbourne is like, I want to buy. And um, I won't say his name but um, if you listen to him, you'll know it's him. <laughs> he's a very wealthy man in Melbourne and um, I knew, you know, he's got a lot of money but at the same time you don't want to 
you know, you, you want to do the, you, you want your, you want to do you're the same for your mate than you would for anyone else. So I just got, I just pretty much guided him through, you know, what, cause he was down in Melbourne. So I had to FaceTime and everything. Um, and he goes, yeah, I really like it. Let's, let's register to bid. Anyway, it was me bidding at the auction on his behalf and another bidder next to me. And from, I think the bidding started at two, eight and literally from like three, three, two to four, five, it was back and forward with me and this other guy for like every 10 grand. And you're on the phone. And I'm on the phone to him. And I knew, he goes, I, I don't really want to spend more than sort of three, three, five. I went to 4.5 <laughs> and I was just like, you know, and, and, and he hadn't seen the house yet. So anyway, the first time he came up to Gold Coast after the lockdown, I'm thinking, fucking hell, don't tell me he's going to think. He gets there and he goes, Johnny stitched me up. <laughs> and, he, and he called me and said, mate, thank you so much. Like, I'm so, I love the house. I love the joint. Like, it's such a good place. Um, and uh, so that was the first sort of time you go, you know, you're not just, you know, again, the money's all good and all that sort of stuff, but you're actually like changing people. You're, you're helping people move on from whatever there's they want. There's impact involved. There's, there's massive impact involved, you know, financially for that person and emotionally as well. Yeah. So um, that was the first sort of taste of like, yeah, what can happen? It's a good taste. It's an expensive yeah. taste early, Johnny Boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. I want to, what are the comparisons between um, real estate and, and AFL, you reckon? So much. Like it's, so, there's so much comparisons and I think that's why, um, you know, I'm very confident in, in, in my future is that it, it's all, you know, the, the, it's, it all starts from training, right? It's like the preseason. You know, you have to train, you have to do the groundwork, you have to have the knowledge to get to a listing presentation. Listing presentation is almost like game day, right? Because you're trying to sign the business up, you know, and like it's a lot of money that they're paying you to sell the house. So you have to um, make sure you're ready and you're, you know, and I don't really run all like the listing presentations really yet, but I'm involved, I'm involved quite a bit. But, you know, you have to sort of do the work to get the results. Um, and there's some tough times, you know, like when you're cold calling people or, you know, when like when you're door knocking, but like I found door knocking like actually really works for me. You know, people will be like, oh, coming in, let's show you around the house. Um, but it's a lot of things that you do that aren't glamorous, like football. You know, there's a lot of things you do that aren't glamorous. Fucking running a 3K time show is not glamorous. That's, fuck, they, they suck. Oh, man. But you got to do them, yeah. right? It's like real estate. You have to like make a certain amount of calls. You have to do have a certain amount of targets um, and you're not going to hit them every time, but you try your best to. What are some of the non-glamorous things in real estate for those um, out there that don't know much about real estate? It's a lot of obviously, a lot of phone calls. Um, you know, there's a lot of- How many a day? Oh, we try, you try and, we try and do at least 30 um, a day. It just depends on how much you have on that day um, of, you know, appointments. Some days you, you, you can only do really, you're calling a specific buyer and a seller. Um, but there's times when you might not have much on and you just literally get into a room and you just get the computer up and you just fucking whack through 40 calls. It's so funny because I just said before, you're like, I'm like, man, I'm going to turn my phone off. You're like, yeah, I'm fucking turning mine off because it'll be blowing up yeah, in my pocket. I know, mine will, I'll turn mine when off. When you turn on after this yeah, podcast, it's yeah, going to have like 25 yeah, missed calls. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and the, and the, the also the other part of real estate, it's like, it's it's again, it's so emotional, right? So you can have someone really hot and something one minute and then they like, you know, you're thinking you've got this sale or you've done this and and then it's just sort of there like, no, nah, I've seen something else or – so it's, it's yeah, it tests, your, it tests your patience for sure. You couldn't – you wouldn't want to – 
I mean, I'm close mates with the Rain and Horn boys. They're really close mates of mine back in um, Sunbury, Gisborne, uh, BJ and Risky. They love the real estate and they've taught me a lot about it and it's a lot of work that goes into it. Early yeah. hours, late nights, yeah. you know, because people are at work. They want to see you after they finish work. Like yeah. it, work rate, it's hard work. Yeah, it's hard work. And, you know, I got home last night and I had I started at 6 a.m. for a um, – uh, a video shoot for a new listing we have um, to get the sun to get the sunrise, um, and then I left. And then I was pretty much you know we had the building pest there that day. We had and then the photos were twilight, so three thirty to six thirty. So I got home at about yeah six forty five seven. Um, you know, you're trying to get onto me, and yeah. I'm like, mate, like, give, give me a bit, like, <laughs> mate, what time are you getting home? Yeah. Like, I'm in bed at eight o'clock. I'm yeah, like, Fuck hell. yeah. So um, you know, and I got home and I was you know and you and you're fucking wrecked, right? You know, you're not probably physically wrecked like you are with football, but you're, you're pretty wrecked because whenever you're with people and clients or you're trying to give them your best self, right? And that can sometimes be a lot with, for a whole day. Emotionally. That's what yeah. I find even doing these. Like there's probably a moment the other week where I did a heap because I was going away and I was just exhausted because yeah. you're just giving all of yourself energy-wise, emotionally. Yeah. You yeah. Can't, it's, it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. So you kind of – I think Sundays are traditionally your day off, aren't they? But there's no yeah. days off in real estate. There is no days off. Um, Saturdays, yeah, you've got opens and all those different sort of things. And, um, you know, if you get a call on a Sunday and someone's out the front of your a listing and they call you in because they've seen your number, you go. Um, yeah, you go. So, but at the same time, it's good, man, because like it's not a nine to five. It's, you know, um, it, like, you know, like for today, like this morning, I said to um, Brad, I said, man, I've got this podcast. And he goes, yeah, mate, for sure. Perfect. You know, like it's not one of these jobs where you have to sit down at a desk nine yeah. to five. Mm. Um, it's a bit more of a lifestyle. And it's results-based as well. Like, results-based, yeah. yeah. I'm really keen to uh, know a bit more about the six-star service. Yeah. What is it? What is a six-star service? Well, or a few um, points of it. Yeah, so um, I don't want to carry on like I'm a fucking expert or anything just yet. No, but, but like what yeah, they've yeah, taught yeah. you. And- so, that, so that, you know, for, for us it's – um, going above and beyond for your client, um, and that's from the time you you sort of list the house um, to the time of settlement, and then beyond. Um, so what we do is, you know, little things like every six months from the time someone buys a house, we'll give them a call, and oh, it's six months since you bought the house, or it's twelve months since you bought the house. Um, you know, being there for every appointment. So yesterday I was at the house for videos, uh, building and pest, copyright, and then photos. Whereas a lot of other agents or agencies will just let the, the you know, that just – they'll be in the office and they'll let the Third party people do, do that. Yeah. Um, so it's just being across everything. You know, we have a WhatsApp group for every different listing. Um, so everyone in that WhatsApp group, you know, every agent is in there, every stakeholder of the house is in there. So it's just open communication between everyone. So it's, all right, this has happened um, this issues, this issues arised or, Hey, we have this buyer wanting to come through. It's all on there. Um, cause what I find is a lot of people say, Oh, um, oh, this agent or an old agent didn't call me back or they wouldn't give me, um, a vendor report, um, the day after or two days after an open, um, open for inspection. So it's just going <clears throat> above and beyond and, um, and obviously it's a referral based industry as well. So if you do the right thing by someone and you, and you make it experience as good as you can for them, um, you know, they're only just going to sort of rave about you and yeah. yeah. And then what, what Michael, Michael talks about, you know, becoming an attraction agent. Um, so if you, you know, obviously that comes down the track when you're just getting called in for things and you know, that all comes from just being a really just a six star service. Yeah. Yeah. And word of mouth massive, isn't it? Yeah. That's the best referral you can get. Yeah. 
Um, oh, that's great, mate. And the actual market itself, give us a – we had Joe Watson earlier. He's in real estate down there in, um, in South Melbourne or Albert Park, I think it is. But, uh, yeah, he, he said it's going to just slow up a little bit this yep. year. Have you seen a little bit of it slow up? I mean, it's been so hot yeah. for the last couple of years. How is the market performing on the Gold Coast? Yeah, we've probably seen it slow up a little bit, probably not as much as Sydney or Melbourne. Um, but, you know, we're kind of fortunate the market we're in. Um, you know, the good things are still selling really well. Um, it's probably the, the the knockdowns or probably even block, oh, saying that blocks. Be, Michael sold a block of the other week for five and a half million. Um, <laughs> but it's things, certain, certain, certain products are slowing down a little bit. Um, buyer inquiries slow down quite a bit. Um, you know, over the last few years, everyone's, you know, had the fear of missing out. Um, you know, a few people have said this now, it's the fear of overpaying. Um, obviously, interest rates are going up. Um, so that obviously, once that hike went up, that takes out a certain amount of buys. Once the next one goes up, that's going to take another, that's going to take another pool of buys out. Um, but I think, you know, I think it'll probably slow up a little bit, but um, I mean, who knows where it's going to go, but um, I think, you know, the, the good thing about being in Australia, it's the Australian dream is to ho- own a home um, and especially in places like the Gold Coast and, you know, Melbourne, Sydney. So, um, you, look, we, we're still selling things well, um, but it's, yeah, buying inquiries slowed up quite a bit. Um, yeah, well, time will tell, but um, it's definitely that fear of oh, fear of missing out has gone. You know, like people were paying a million dollars over reserve last year or, Half a million dollars over reserve. It's crazy, isn't it? Whereas now it's it's gone back to sort of a normal marketplace. Yeah, people are, as you said, not just interstate calling overseas. Yeah, give yeah. me that, give me that, yeah. and just off Facetime, um, off just they, they, they didn't even see the place, and they were just paying whatever whatever for it. Yeah. Oh mate, and tell you what's going up the rent market, mate. I'm trying to get, I was trying to get right. one in Melbourne. I'm just, uh, it's uh, just, it, it's just gone through the roof. How's well, the, me timing? Well, the, the rent market up here is ridiculous. It's cheaper to buy than rent. Yeah. Yeah, I'm it's paying eight twenty a week for like a um, an apartment in Mermaid, and they want to put it up to a thousand a week in like six months. My like, shit, it's crazy. It's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a, it's a good time to, to own a house, that's for sure. Now we've got a couple of segments before we close out, but uh, one of them, mate, pick your favorite hat. Caps are a huge sponsor of ours, and um, the home of headwear. They do more than just headwear. They've got uh, they've got all the merch. So if anyone out there that loves their sport, head online at caps.com.au because they are doing great things and. I generally wear all their their stuff today. I've just got the plain tee on. Um, so, mate, grab a hat if you will. 76ers. You I'm st- a basketball man. You are a basketball man. Yeah. Are you 76ers man still? No, you were. I'm you kind were. Kind of often. There's a big. There's a big going on in that in that place. But um, yeah, Embiid's a gun. Embiid's a star. Benny's obviously gone. He's at Brooklyn. How do you think? I mean, it was this was their year. They've got James Harden in. They yeah. kind of we they fizzled out. I know. I know. And you know, Harden, I think he's spending too much time at the strippers, isn't he? <laughs> he's doing something he's, wrong. Yeah, he's, I think he uh, he does live it up. I think I heard someone the other day. I think it might have even been Bogut was saying that some people like him would just fly. I'm not sure if it was on another podcast, but someone was saying there's different people. You know, after a game, private jet, they're back. Yeah. And then there's obviously the Steph Currys of the world, which are just family men. But yeah. um, look, he's uh, he's been the talk of the talk of the town this year hasn't he it's like a boom or bust and they have bust yeah philly's in a bit of a world of hurt yeah they are and you know they had that process and everything and um you know that's kind of completely gone now hasn't it they've really got only got Embiid from that um you know they've got they've got to either pay harden or get rid of him i don't know it's just a bit of a bit of a mess at the moment for him but not as much as the lakers so 
Now this podcast will be um, out after the NBA finals, so this oh, is so this okay. is cool because people listening will be able to see if we're right or wrong. Um, but who's your prediction in the NBA finals? Obviously the Celtics and the Warriors. Warriors with the home court advantage. Um, it's, I reckon it's going to be one of the best finals in years. I love that. I hope it is. I want close I, games. I, I, there hasn't been good finals since, um, really, probably since LeBron was at Cavs. Um, I'm going to go Boston. You're going to go Boston? I'm going to go Boston. In yeah. seven? In seven, yeah. They play really well away from home. They do. Yeah. Um, That's what's been hard. The, the home teams aren't winning. But yeah. Warriors are amazing at home. Warriors are good. Uh, but I just, you know, I, I just think they're one little um, mishap away from letting it slide. So I'll go Boston. And they've been on an incredible run like the last few months. Yeah. Boston's defeated the, you know, some of the biggest names. You yeah. know, Durant, Kyrie, you got the Bucks with yeah. Giannis. And obviously Middleton was out, but Holiday, and the, you know, they just won it. And then they've just gone straight through the Jesus Christ, old Jimmy Buckets. I mean, he's on yeah, fire, yeah. Jimmy Butler and the boys. Yeah. So I like it. Um, I, uh, I'm torn. I kind of – I want Boston because I want some fresh – I want to see a new team win, but I'm just excited to watch it. Yeah. So there you go. You're tipping Boston um, yeah. to win. And this is the vet, who's the MVP just because we're going to record and it's uh, going to come out after the the fact. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum. Yeah. Yeah. He's a yeah. star. This is going to be his uh, Kobe Bryant mumba moment. He, he always plays talk about their mumba attitude and all this sort of stuff. And um, I think he'll probably show his. Yeah. I love it. All right. The Caps moment. It's a segment that we've got. We ask all our guests. Um, and again, huge shout out to Caps. We wouldn't be here without you guys. The Caps moment is the greatest moment of your career. So you've had a football career. You've got a real estate career now. If there was just one moment, it was like a light bulb. It was just like, oh, I've never been happier in that moment. What would John Patton's Caps moment be? Probably... Um You know what? Probably, uh, probably being the number one pick. I think because um, because it, it was a goal. It was like a serious goal of mine when I was young, um, and to do that, I'm pretty proud of that. You know, like it's one thing to do it, but it's another thing to actually have the goal and do it. Mm. Not many people would have that goal at like 16. Probably most kids would just be too scared. So that's probably one. Yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll probably be it. Yeah, That's an amazing Caps moment. There you go. The Caps moment, Johnny Patton going pick one after calling it at 16 years old. Mate, the uh, Ricks and retirement. I know you love your Rixies and you're on the Gold Coast and, the, you know, the team at Koloshi, let, let me know. I can sort them out. Um, there's a few <laughs> styles here, brother. I know you love your orbits normally. Yep. Uh, Ricks and retirement. I'm looking forward to asking you this question because you're in the real estate game and you live a luxurious lifestyle, Johnny boy. Um, there's a few styles there, mate. So pick your favourite. I think that's the orbit there. Go the orbits first, eh? Hey? Ricks and retirement. You do make some good sunnies, man. Thanks, give it bro. To you. Thanks. You always man. have. Of uh, we've been building. It's uh, it's good to see everything. Everyone's back out. But and that, that that takes balls too, man, to do that. You know, like a lot of people again sort of say, "What are you doing?" And you know, especially in, in Australia, you know, a lot of people like to be like like to hate and say things, but mate, you make some awesome sunnies and. Yeah, man, these are mine. Yeah, thank you, bro. I really appreciate that, and the team appreciates that. Thanks, mate. Um, Ricks and retirement. It's a when you're when it's all said and done, right? You've got your real estate career. You've maximized it. You're whatever age, you know, you got enough in the bank to to you know retire. What location would you take the Rixies, <laughs> and where would you be? 
I haven't been there, but I, there's something about the south of France that gets me. I love wine and I just love that sort of, um, I don't know, I've just got a vision in my head of it. I haven't been there before, so it could be risky. <laughs> no, I think it's a good spot. Yeah, I don't know, somewhere there where you're just kicking back. It's a different language, sun. You need the sun, don't you? You need the sun, man. Yeah. Come up here. I know. Well, I just booked my flight to Melbourne and mate, that's 79 bucks with Virgin. Yeah. They're handing them out in bloody cereal boxes because no one wants to go to <laughs> Melbourne, mate. It's no. that fucking cold. Oh, don't tell me they've got a house down there. The main thing here is I'm just so glad to see you. And so uh, I think everyone listening and watching will be so glad to hear that you're uh, you're up and about and you're back because um, it was as dark as it gets for you there for a stage. And I appreciate you sharing. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to follow the real estate journey. It's great to see you. And uh, yeah, appreciate the coffee once again. That Thanks was beautiful. So big shout out to the, the locals. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, please feel free to hit us up on our social channels at Osmerican Aces. If you're entertained, inspired, or feel more educated, please share it with your friends and family because we appreciate the support. Righto, catch you on the next one.